Yeah, sex is cool, but have you ever watched the Patriots get eliminated? Unscripted. And I just wonder how many knees are broken from jumping off bandwagons. Unscripted. The one way to avoid a hangover is stay drunk. So, um... <laughs> And it's that favorite, uh, my favorite time of the week as we welcome you to this uh, 446th episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. We are here. Hope all is well in your neck of the woods. We're also joined on this special occasion. We're going to combine two episodes. We're going to combine our Freeform Friday and, and we're joined by a special guest to wrap up the fantasy football. Um, Chris has some questions for both of us and our special guests, and I've got to give a bit of a special introduction. This guy has seen a lot of shrapnel in his life. He comes into this. He comes into the studio this afternoon wearing a Detroit Lions jersey, and you know I shouldn't have to remind him that it's only been since 1954 since the Detroit Lions have won anything. But I gotta give the guy. Pre I gotta give the guy props for showing up like that. You'd think, if anything, I'd show up in a Packer jersey today because unlike this man's favorite team, we see the playoffs every once in a while. But but I do have to, again, as we welcome you to this 446th episode of Unscripted, we do need to welcome back to the program a long, long, long suffering fan of the Detroit Lions. Back to the program, our fantasy football consigliore. You like that? Something like that. Sure, like go for that. it. Mr. Sean Nichols joins us. Sean was with us at the beginning of the season. I don't know how his teams did. I know we're going to find out here, but I found Sean to be very knowledgeable as to what he's talking about. Regardless of his uh, affiliation with the Detroit Lions, he still is a very knowledgeable football fan. you got to give him props for that. And I will say this, at least he came in a Barry Sanders jersey. If he had come in a uh, Gary Danielson jersey, then we'd have a bit of a problem. Joey Harrington? Oh, that'd even be worse. But he came with one of the greatest running backs, in my opinion, the second greatest running back of all time after Jim Brown. Jim Brown is still the best, in my opinion. Well, I'm 55. You're only 40. That's fair. Um, Cleveland fans have been suffering almost as long as Detroit football fans. So, But uh, Barry Sanders is one of the greatest of all times, and we're very appreciative to have Sean here in studio with us today. And we are going, to, as I said, we're going to kind of amalgamate both that's a development uh, word we're going to merge both of our episodes into one so sean will be playing along with us here on freeform friday and freeform friday is a great way to end the week of our of our program shows chris goes on to our twitter account finds out what people are talking about chris finds some interesting stuff he brings it up we'll talk about it chris and uh, and obviously sean will be part of it as well and then we move on to the next topic and then we're going to add a little fantasy football at the end to put a wrap on the fantasy football for this year for Chris and Sean. And uh, I do have one question. How did we end up with our little team? Well, we uh, we were eliminated from the playoffs, uh, but we did make the playoffs. It came down to the final week of the regular season, which is week 13. And it was us against Sean. And we may or may not have kicked his ass. We, we kicked his ass. But anyway, we won, and we eliminated him, and we went on to the playoffs, but we did not win the league. Unlike last year, right. we did not win the league this year. What are you seeing there, Sean? Uh, I'm, just actually trying to, I'm just actually trying to find it right now. Give me about two seconds. I'm pretty sure... Uh... I, I think you finished in fourth and I finished in fifth. I know I was the, like, I guess you could call it the biggest loser in terms of, uh, <laughs> oh. I won consolation. Does that matter? Probably not, especially if you're listening in any way. So that's like, that's like winning. That's like coming in fourth place at the Olympics. Pretty much. It, almost exactly like coming in fourth place at the Olympics. Got it. So while you're looking that up, that information up, Sean, I'll have uh, Chris start our free form Friday with whatever you're finding on the, uh, on our Twitter account, let her rip, sir. All right, sounds good. Well, I thought uh, in honor of the Packers and Lions fans here, I would start with an NFC North story from Twitter. And now this is not The Onion, but it's the same type of a thing. So it's from Busted Coverage at Busted Coverage. And the headline is, Breaking! Donald Trump has announced that he's sending Mitch Trubisky over to Iran in an attempt to overthrow their leader. 
<laughs> well, he picked the perfect person to do it. No question. Yeah, well, I mean, I, if by overthrow you mean miss completely, then yes, absolutely. That's that's probably a relevant statement. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I have nothing to comment. I think it's uh, absolutely apropos, and I do I I do on a, a real real quick note um, from everything that I'm reading. And having had a ringside seat many, many years ago in Saudi Arabia, I just want to make sure that all our servicemen and women for both the Canadian and American sides are properly protected or are going to a place to get properly protected. I think things are going to get a little crazy again in the Middle East, and I hope that our servicemen and women on both the U.S. and the Canadian sides are taking the precautions to make sure that there is in a, as safe a place as possible, which I think, during which I think is going to be a very volatile next couple of weeks in the Middle East. I, I think the uh, brink of war looks like the brink of peace to me, and uh, I'm actually thinking it's a, a good thing, and I think we'll see that in the end, but we'll, we'll see what happens, I guess. Okay, uh, the onion at the onion. I know Mike always has a preference for alcohol-based stories, so let's go with the onion's latest headline. Are you uh, saying about a problem that I have? Uh, used to, sure. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, so uh, the onion at the onion, alcoholics' plan for turning life around does not include getting sober. No, you know, I, I always, it's funny, I, I always was, whether I was growing up in Wisconsin or at school or in the military or whatever, the one way to avoid a hangover is stay drunk. So... Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, uh, I, ab- I abided by that for a long, long time, and I'm probably paying for it now uh, with a lot of ailments. Uh, but, uh, you know, I don't make light of it. I mean, I do make light of it, but um, it's not something we should probably, you know. But let's, we're so serious about everything. Let's have a little fun with some things. Yeah, I used to drink a lot, and, and uh, I would, I, yeah. Um, I think one of the reasons that I loved Las Vegas so much was the bar- bars never closed. So, you know, uh, it's not fun. You know, alcoholism is a problem. Obviously, if you get behind the wheel of a car and uh, do something silly, that's a problem. But in moderation, there's nothing wrong with a little celebratory drink every now and then or every hour or something. But, uh, you know, I, I, I have a very colorful past. And, um, you know, I've earned it everything, Everything that has come through a lot of trial and error, and that's where I'm going to stop before I get in more trouble. <laughs> no, that's absolutely true. And and I mean, I've got a bit of a past of my own with alcohol as well. And you know, every now and then you like to drink. Uh, I've got you know, I've got some other stories in my life that I, I try not to talk about too much that relate to alcohol. Some of which because I can't remember them. Some of which because I'd rather not. Right. Um, but you know, sell, selling uh, selling liquor is big business these days. It's cool. uh, it's uh, you know, I mean. We see cannabis being legal nowadays, and who knows what that's going to turn into. And and uh, um, you know, obviously they had to outlaw it way way back in the you know in the other twenties. Yeah. Uh, not yeah. these not these ones. The right. the other ones. God right. forbid right. if they had prohibition today, we'd probably probably go to war faster than we're already potentially trending to now, based on your last headline. Yeah, no question. <laughs> okay, so uh, we've been enjoying the Florida headlines the last little while, uh, but I've got some of the other. Uh, shall we see SEC states oh, good. Uh, that have SEC. some headlines? So I'm going to give you probably about four headlines here. You guys can pick which ones you like if you want to comment on any of them here. But these are all real headlines, believe it or not. So, uh, f- well, I won't even say the Twitter account for these ones because there's four different ones. Okay, so see, pick and choose any of these that you like and comment if you like. So here we go. Here's a few. Florida man arrested for fighting a gas pump. Uh, Missouri teens steal what they think is cocaine, end up snorting their grandfather's ashes. Oh. <laughs> Uh, Mississippi man arrested for gluing winning numbers to a lottery ticket. Sadly, I'm surprised. And actually, for some reason, I don't know why this is my favorite of the four. Florida man sent back to jail after not paying for taxi ride home from jail. <laughs> well, I, I'm going to take the one in regard to snorting his grandfather's ashes. Um, I just, um, I have had that talk in regard to my father's 82 years old and we have had that talk as to how he wants to go to the afterlife and um he has talked about being buried on a golf course he has talked about you know um being incinerated and uh putting his ashes in an urn um I, I'm more putting him toward a golf course. Um, I've seen too many things, and I, I don't mean to make a joke. I've seen too many things happen in regard to ashes 
getting knocked off of fireplaces oh, or um, I, I know there, there was a, a person's house that I knew in California that had the windows open and we had a big thing of wind and it knocked the urn over and then all this little part pieces of grandpa all over the place. Um, I'm going to be a little bit safer and I'm going to, I'm going to put my father in a final resting place near a golf course. I think that's the yeah. best place for him for damn sure. Yeah. Well, I, there's probably a joke in there about having an outer body experience, but I really didn't want to tell it. <laughs> right. Um, um, I mean, you snort someone's ashes. That's, uh, that's, that's interesting. You just, I mean, wonder what kind of high you get from that, but that's probably here, neither here nor there. So I was saying like, it's an auto body experience. Maybe you can feel his teeth. Like anything's possible. I don't know, but, um, these are things that happen in the world. And, uh, uh, every time you think you're having a bad day, read articles like this and realize that you're still probably the smartest person you might know. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And, uh, yeah, uh, so, oh, by the way, there was this other one. You don't have to comment on this. This one, just, Florida man woken up by man who broke into house and began sucking his toes. So, you know, if you're ever having a bad, if you think you wake up and things aren't going well, could be worse. Uh, all right. I don't think I have a comment to, I don't think I'd have a, a, a plausible comment for some guy breaking into a guy's house and sucking his toes. I feel like you have to pay for that. Yeah, I, I think that's an extra cost. <laughs> yeah. Now, see, if we go to the Spearmint Rhino... That could happen for a cause. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone has a price. Everybody yeah. has a price. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, last week we talked about how the Golden Globes were coming up, and then Ricky and you said you didn't like Ricky Gervais. Now Ricky Gervais nope. kicked ass, and I, I think you have to admit it this I, time. And I put it on the Patreon page this morning. Mm-hmm, on the mm-hmm. Patreon page this morning, I gave proper respect. I thought Ricky Gervais did a, a tremendous job. Amazing. As Amazing. the as the MC of the Golden Globes, I am not one that has generally liked Ricky Gervais. Uh, but in this circumstance, I thought he was excellent, and I've got to give him all due respect. I thought he was very good. He kept the show moving. I still can't believe some of the things that he says. Yeah, that you know, you're on national television, and you're you know, mother this and fuck this and all this other stuff. But it works for him. But in this scenario. I thought he was excellent, and I made and I paid tribute to him this morning on our Patreon page. Yeah, and I've watched that monologue a bunch of times over and over again. It's so good. I love when he just straight up calls them the pedophiles in Hollywood and Apple having sweatshops in China, and he just doesn't care. He says whatever, you know, referencing Jeffrey Epstein and just yep. everything else. And uh, my the best line though, because I cannot improve on these two sentences. You're in no position to lecture the public about anything. You know nothing about the real world. You can't get better than that as far as I'm concerned. And I don't know if it... He kept joking that it was going to be his last time. I don't know if it really will. This time, it may have been taken five tries to get it perfect. And I know he was funny to some people before. But this, he could not have done better. He hit every note. People were celebrating not just his comedy, but his free speech. And it was fantastic. So anyway, any thoughts on if you saw Ricky Gervais, Sean? Oh, no, I saw it. I I have... A serious level of respect for for that monologue. Um, I think we're too sensitive these days, yes. generally speaking. Um, every you know, everybody's you know. I mean, if if I could only imagine getting fired for something I did eleven years ago, like it just yeah. these are the types of things that happen, whether they be in sport and in real world. Um, you know, I I, I kind of like the Greta Thunberg joke personally. It was a little. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I had uh, I, I had some fun with that. But what's really interesting is all these people are talking about Ricky Gervais now and how you know he. You know, there's journalists who are like, oh, well, you know, he he put a damper on the Golden Globes by making it all about him. And, and you know, Ricky Gervais has already clapped back on Twitter and kind of said thing, something to the effect of like, you guys are journalists. Aren't you supposed to understand things like, um, you know, that there's no such thing as left and right wing. He's like attacking big corporations. He's attacking big Hollywood. He's attacking everybody under the sun, but he's all of a sudden a right wing guy. People are afraid to speak, their, you know, to, to tell a joke these days, because God forbid what would happen if you, it, you know, if. If you told the wrong one, um, you know, it, it changes how we how we view the world. And unfortunately, um, the you know, the cancel culture is real. And um, I'm glad to see someone actually taking a stand against it. Who's got, you know, some clout to some degree. Right? I just if I may real quick, I, I just and this goes back to something Chris and I have been talking about pretty much all through the 444 previously produced episodes of our little program here. Chris has gone on many times and talked about how society uh, and we have this, you know, idolizing in regard to what celebrities say. And I just wish, and I use an example, and I understand you've just won an award in regard to Patricia Arquette made a, a, a impassioned plea about the Trump administration and all this other stuff. I just wish we could leave that garbage somewhere else. 
I know that they have the forum to, to, you know, and, and, and use their popularity and use their being famous and all this other stuff. But I think that this is a celebration and I, and I just, I personally, and if I'm the only one that feels like this, so be it. I've, I've been out there by myself a, a lot of times in my life, the lone wolf out there. But I just think that, uh, and I, and I'm not taking a shot at Patricia Arquette so much. I just remember it was her that was so adamant about making this plea about the, the Trump administration, all this other stuff, leave that garbage for somewhere else. I think this is a celebrity. Yes, it's a celebrity driven show, but this is supposed to be a celebration. It's not supposed to be a political. It's not supposed to be getting your airing out your whatever, airing out your beliefs. All I'm saying is that let's keep the award show as an award show in regard to uh, you know, rewarding and congrat congratulating the winners, but leave your political bullshit to some other forum. I just, I just think that in everything, whether it's athletes at the end of a of a of a game or actors at the end of a this or or whatever it is, there's time and place. And the Golden Globes, in my opinion, is not the place to to be talking about political issues ad nauseum. I don't disagree with you. I think what's really Honestly, interesting, though, is that, um, you know, to kind of put my two cents into that side of it, though, is, you know, everybody kind of up here, especially Canadians and such, because we've got, you know, multiple political parties in this, you know, in this country. And, you know, there's two down there. There's the, you know, you get you get to, you know, pick apples or oranges. Correct. And that's unfortunate. But I will say that the amount of people that support Ricky Gervais, like a lot of that sort of sentiment that's kind of underlying and out there, um, if people wonder why Trump gets actually voted in, um, it's not because it's Donald Trump. It's like I, I have some friends that are down in the States and a lot of it, it's 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 almost pushing back against the culture. It's pushing get back, back against, you know, you know, that choice to be offended. And and I really, truly believe that that's the case. And, um, you know, the more the more outspoken and the more times we roll our eyes at someone saying, you know, getting political the more times people are going to use their vote to be, you know, the difference maker and, and, and sort of how they combat that, right? Great point. And if you are just joining us, we welcome you to this 446th episode of Unscripted. And we do and are appreciative and, and uh, certainly happy about being joined on this edition by our fantasy football consigliore, Mr. Sean Nichols. And um, we're going through some Freeform Friday before we get on to kind of a a wrap-up of the Fantasy Football League season. So having said that, I hand the microphone back over to the executive producer, Mr. Fluke. Thank you, sir. And yeah, just real quick, I do agree with Sean there, and I think that's important. And I think that this will be one of the last times that the, uh, I think uh, the Americans might be feeling, the American voter might be feeling like this is one of the last times this year where they get to vote on somebody for somebody who's not politically correct and who's going to push back against that. I think there's a feeling that after Trump, and this will be his last uh, term after he gets back in clearly, because no, because he's not going to lose to Joe Biden. Um, I think that after this, Republican or Democrat, there's a feeling like they all might just be politically correct after this, and, and there might be no one that you can really get behind. So I think that's going to factor into the 2020 election. So uh, just one more tweet I wanted to, to actually discuss. Uh, I did want to mention two quick ones as well. Uh, Alex Sulkin at the Sulk. Airlines should be required to add ish to their department, their uh, departure times, like 930-ish, <laughs> <laughs> right? Which I totally, totally agree with, yep. obviously. Yep. And and with the weird headlines, I forgot to mention the best one of all for me, which of course is man high on meth fights off fifteen police officers while masturbating. And I <laughs> and I just, I mean, I don't know how you top that as a headline. That's pretty epic. Uh, but um, the last thing I wanted to say, and I really appreciate this because uh, my wife and I saw this firsthand, and she is now going to start cheering for the Tennessee Titans because they eliminated the Patriots, and she said she'd cheer for whoever eliminated the Patriots. So, NFL memes at NFL underscore memes. Yeah, sex is cool, but have you ever watched the Patriots get eliminated? <laughs> Probably my favorite tweet of the week because, you know, as much as, as, much as we're here talking with uh, uh, Packers fans and Lions fans, and I know we got off to a, a fun little start there around that, and thank you very much for that wonderful intro. Much appreciated as I shine and glow in my Barry Sanders jersey. Mm -hmm. I think we can both come to the agreement that the New England Patriots losing is possibly one of the top, three or four things that'll happen all year from oh, my perspective. It's I, I, just, I just, I fall in love with, with it. And I just wonder how many knees are broken from jumping off bandwagons. But, <laughs> um, 
I'm 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 very happy that um, that we will not see the New England Patriots in the in Super Bowl Fifty Four. That's not a shot at anybody. Um, they have been the best and most successful team over the last twenty years. There's no question about that, and a lot of that obviously is attributable to Mr. Kraft, Bill Belichick, Tom Brady. But I think it's good for football to see somebody else. Mm-hmm. I really, really do. I think that. It's good to see that we're going to see the Kansas City Chiefs or the, we won't see the Houston Texans, but we're going to see the Kansas City Chiefs or somebody else, Baltimore Ravens in the Super Bowl. I just, I think it's good for the NFL. I think that you get tired of seeing the same damn thing year after year. And it got to the point, even last year, I don't think New England, I don't think New England last couple of years has been the best team in the AFC, but they got hot at the right time and they know how to win and they know how to eliminate mistakes and they have obviously years of experience in the postseason and I don't care what anybody says there's a difference between regular season football and postseason football and this year it caught up to him a little bit I knew and I think Chris knew and I think Sean knew too I really believe in the heart of hearts when New England lost the last game of the year against the Miami Dolphins you knew trouble was ahead for the New England Patriots when you lose to a team that the begin at the beginning of the year was openly basically dumping games in the hope of securing the number one draft pick. They didn't ultimately do that. They'll draft number four, I believe, four or five. Five, and they'll still get Tua, which is what they wanted to do. They'll still get Tua. They still have two number ones. Miami is well set up. And all tribute to Brian Flores, but I just had a feeling, and again, I think you you two guys would have that same feeling. You guys know football, that when the New England Patriots lost at home to a team as bad as the Miami Dolphins on their home turf, I think that's probably should have been a big sign to somebody in the Boston area. And obviously it came true with what the Tennessee Titans did to him last week. Truth be told is it just shows how important Gronkowski was to that team. Cause I mean, the biggest change in that team is Gronkowski not being there. Um, good defense, great defense to start the year, obviously not consistent all the way throughout the year. Reality. I mean, Brady was still there. Edelman's still there. All the running backs are still there. Everybody's still there. The, the guy that's not there is Gronkowski. And, and honestly, like, it's hard to not call him an X factor after that. The good news is, is those massage parlors in Florida have some January openings, I'm sure. So maybe Robert Kraft will find a way to get in a bit early. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I couldn't agree more. And I'm just looking forward to seeing somebody else represent the AFC come February 2nd in Super Bowl 54. Awesome. Okay. So those are the tweets I wanted to go over with so we can get to the fantasy football wrap up now. So I just wanted to uh, start off real quick there. So you said that we finished fourth and you were fifth. You finished uh, third actually. Third. Oh. And you guys were third. You guys won your you guys won the bronze medal. So Oh, okay. That's yeah, something. We're officially the Canadian Olympians of the league. Okay. So uh, Mike and I have had the unscripted team two years in a row. We won a gold and now a bronze, so that's not too bad. Uh, the first year was it a 10 or 12 team league? I forget. This year was 12 team though, so that's pretty good, right? Uh, I was wondering if you wouldn't mind, Sean, pulling up our rosters if you still have access to that on ESPN. I'd love to see who we kind of ended the season with and uh, see uh, um, just, you know, who was really doing well for us at the end and who we were actually using because we went over who we drafted. But uh, in the meantime, uh, for Mike, I wanted to just ask if there were guys this year, offensively speaking, in the NFL, um, you know, Packers or not, whatever, were there any guys that you either were really surprised at how good they were or surprised at how bad they were, offensively speaking, in the league this year? Not just from a fancy point of view. I mean, just from as as players and putting up points and touchdowns, obviously there were some of you know, some of both overachieved, underachieved, anyone that really stands out in either of those categories for you? Well, my old, my overachiever, uh, obviously, and this is probably going to be seem pretty simplistic to you guys and probably rightfully so, but who really would have thought the year Lamar Jackson had? I mean, I was questioning, I, I was questioning A, getting rid of Joe Flacco and B, handing over the keys to the car and the franchise to Lamar Jackson. I mean, Lamar Jackson, Heisman Trophy winner from Louisville, but they play a a college offense in regard to a spread offense. I didn't think that he could throw the ball like he has thrown the ball. I didn't know, to be honest, as well as he runs the football at Louisville, did I think that was going to, you know, was that going to do, was he going to be able to do that as well in the National Football League? I did not think so. I thought that John Harbaugh was really going out on a limb with this one. 
and all credit to everybody involved. You've got to you've got to credit Steve Bassati, the owner, for allowing it to happen first and foremost. The general manager. Now, I still think Ozzie Newsom's the general manager, but obviously the general manager now is Eric Lacosta. That was Newsom's final first round pick Correct. in his career, though. Correct, but. LaCosta had to sign off on it in regard to moving forward and allowing Jackson to be the number one guy. I mean, people forget they have RG3 there as the backup. Not that, you know, similar kind of styles of play. But I don't think anybody in their right mind, and I think, to be totally honest with you, if they said they saw this coming, they're lying right to your face. The biggest disappointment for me, and I think this was more health-related than anything else, but I think Todd Gurley was a disappointment to me this year. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of different reasons. Uh, Goff wasn't as good this year, obviously. The offensive line was not as good this year offensively for the Los Angeles Rams. But first and foremost, I don't think Todd Gurley has been healthy all year. And I think that that probably played a role um, in in what was, I think, a, obviously. And I think... Todd Gurley is professional enough and classy enough that he would tell you if he was sitting right here, he would say, this year sucked. Um, He is a huge bona fide superstar. And he is, you know, I'll steal something from Reggie Jackson from the 1977 World Series. I am, meaning Reggie Jackson, talking about himself, which he was always the best at. I am the stir that I am the straw or the stir that straws, whatever. (laughs) I'm the straw that stirs the drink. There you go, for the (laughs) New York Yankees. And that, to me... Goff is better. Their wide receivers are better. Everything's better if Gurley can get out there and do his thing. I want to see a healthy Todd Gurley in 2020. And then ultimately, I think he'll again reappear as one of the best players in the NFL. Yeah, well, uh, unscripted senior LA Rams correspondent, uh, Greg, uh, I think uh, he wants them to use about their first five picks all on O-linemen this year. And uh, so that's what he's hoping for. Of course, there's no first round pick because of the Jalen Ramsey trade. But uh, yeah, that's what he's hoping for. Okay, Sean, if you wouldn't mind going over maybe some of the players on the unscripted team, as well as your team, that were maybe highlights or even lowlights, and uh, just your thoughts on uh, who uh, who was notable in fantasy this year on those teams. Well, I got to tell you, I'm actually really uh, disappointed that I didn't win this league, knowing that my first pick in this draft was Christian McCaffrey. Um, and I screwed I, up there. I, I, yes and no, and I'll, I'll get into that a little bit, because obviously McCaffrey week over week is, I mean... I thought he'd do well. Don't get me wrong. I thought he'd be one of the top running backs there. I mean, when when we're in the draft, you know, you look at who's there, and McCaffrey was the best choice at that point in time. And you know, two or, I think it was two or three overall that I had. I know you had two, and I know you took Kamara, which is fine. Kamara came on at playoff time, though. Can't 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 argue with results in weeks fourteen through sixteen. Um, McCaffrey did as well. Uh, just disappointed that I, I think McCaffrey is the player who is in the highest percentage of fantasy winning leagues mm-hmm. across yep. across the industry. Um, even more so than Lamar Jackson, more so than Michael Thomas, yep. more so than any of those other folks. So to be fifth place is a bit disappointing, but yeah, I'll take uh, everything else. Um, Mike Evans went on IR oh, yeah. during the playoffs. Um, I drafted Jared Goff. That's part of the problem. Um, Zach Ertz, I had him as well. Starting to see a lot more split in that offense with Dallas Goddard. So, um, you know, it's a bit tough at the end of the season there. But um, I, I was really disappointed by David Montgomery as well in Chicago. Really, really, dis- I, I mean, rookie run. There's always, every now and then, you're going to find a rookie running back that's going to be a stud. And I think everybody bought into David Montgomery as kind of that guy at the beginning of the season. Um not so much by the looks of let things. Me, right? Let me just ask you about that, though, Sean. Sure. Um, could part of Montgomery's problem been scheme in Chicago and the play calling of Matt Nagy? Because, I don't, you know, again, where I'm from, I'm born to hate the Lions, the Bears, and the, and the Vikings. And, 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 and rightfully so, you're, you're born to hate the Packers, the Vikings, and the, and the Bears. But I, I got to say this. I think part of the problem... This year for the Bears, they still had the good defense, not as good as it was last year, obviously. Um, you don't lose Adrian Amos and replace him with haha Clinton Dix and expect them to be the, the same in the back end, even though they gave a contract extension a couple weeks ago to Eddie Jackson. But having said all that, I think Matt Nagy, and, and partially he is, his hands weren't tied behind his back because his quarterback sucked. But I think part of that is scheme. I think part of that is play calling. I don't think... And a lot like Matt LaFleur in Green Bay, I still don't think they 
dedicated enough of the playbook to Aaron Jones in Green Bay. I think Aaron Jones would have put up McCaffrey-like numbers if they would have utilized him to full capacity, in my belief. And you can think I'm full of crap because a lot of people think I'm full of crap. But I really, truly believe that if you're planning on using Montgomery as your number one feature back, get him in the damn offense in regard to the Bears, in regard to Nagy and whoever their dad goddamn offensive coordinator is. But I think scheme and personnel had a lot to do with an underachieving year for Montgomery in Chicago. Your thoughts? Well, I, interestingly enough, I, I, I agree and disagree. Um, play calling, I'm not sure is really the be all end all here. Just looking through some of the, just looking through some of the stats here for the most part, outside of a game or two, when I think he had a bit of a bit of an injury or in the first game, when I think they were just still getting his, getting his feet wet in the NFL. Um, the guys got between 13 to 20 carries a game, sometimes more, sometimes less. I don't think they're giving him the ball less, but I mean, if you've even kind of familiar with NFL defense, it's real simple. If, a, if, if that quarterback on the other side of that ball cannot win you games with his arm load up eight in the box and see and let you know i mean let him beat you with with his arm and trubisky can't beat you with his arm true period and so you saw these teams that would load up eight in the box and there are some incredible athletes on on the other in the defensive side of the front in the nfl um and just stuffing stuffing them yeah you know, so you can give him 20 carries a game but if all he can get is 40 yards because he got you know eight in the box you know and he's got nowhere to run right Right at some point, yeah, they're going to keep trying to get him in the game, and that's great. But I, I guess he's breaking a big one. I don't disagree with you. I think you bring up very valid points. All I'm saying is that in the beginning of the year, when Trubisky, you could see, was not as comfortable as he was last year. I just wish somebody would have. If you're a Bears fan, and you know the seven of you out there suffering and remaining to be Bears fans, I think you would have said, you wish that there would have been a little bit more of making Montgomery the lead guy and maybe take some of the pressure off of Trubisky because you look at the Packers defense of last year and you look at what the Packers did in week one on that Thursday night game back in September. And yes, we had made some additions to our defense, but our defense never looked that good. That opening game, we looked like we were the the coming of the old, you know, midway of the the, the, the bad bears of, of, you know, the monsters of the midway. We, I just think if there would have been a little bit more dedication to Montgomery at the beginning of the season, maybe that, maybe uh, that would have taken some of the pressure off Trubisky. Maybe they did make a lot of room for, especially pass catching for uh, Tariq Cohen. And then if you remember in the early part of the year, I believe in week one, Mike Weber actually got more carries than David Correct. Montgomery as well. So, Correct. So yeah, a lot of it was, was uh, poor management for sure. But anyway, other highlights of our teams in fantasy. Well, if you remember when I was here last time, I was incredibly anti Tyler Lockett, mm-hmm. and uh, and and so I apologize to anybody who may have heard this and and agreed with me. Um, Tyler Lockett had a phenomenal year. You drafted him. You told me to go pound sand, and I was wrong, and you were right, and I give you props for that. Because yes, Tyler Lockett absolutely was uh, an integral part of that offense, making incredible catches, making cr- clutch catches, giving DK Metcalf opportunities to to get catches and and be you know a solid fantasy asset the first year and also a fantastic actual you know real life asset for the Seahawks and that's why they're actually going to be playing the Packers this weekend um you know he, he he looked better than last year Russell Wilson looked better than last year and just that connection um I admit I did not think that was going to play out well for you I didn't like the pick um can't disagree with or I can't uh uh, can't fight success. Uh, he did incredibly well. So um, you have Debo Samuel as well, uh, rookie wide receiver for the 49ers. Also um, a really, really solid play. Um, took over a lot. He, you know, he, he kind of has that number one wide receiver potential type of guy that can also run the ball every now and then, um, you know, because you see him get rushing yards here and there as well. Um, really came on, seems to have some, you know, he seems to have a rapport with Garoppolo. Uh, so I really like that. You picked Devin Singletary as well. I remember being, you know, cursing your name when you took him because we we both thought that that would be a great pick. And, um, you know, it may, he may not be a fantasy stud this year. I know he was still kind of like in the, you know, he's still top 20 running back, but, you know, not a top 10 guy. Next year, it would not surprise me to see Devin Singletary oh, be yeah. a top 10 oh, running I, back. I, I totally agree with that. And again, I think Sean McDermott learned something during the season because I remember Chris and I complaining about why they were going to Frank Gore early in the season. 
they didn't know. I don't think they really realized what they had in Singletary until they finally made the commitment to use him and they benefited. So and I think you're totally and so right. So did Josh Allen. Absolutely. If you saw what Josh Allen right. was like after they started starting. Correct. You know, you get a running game, and again, it's kind of like the anti-bear. Like this is the opposite of what we just talked about with Montgomery, right? right. Is is you you know you put a guy in, you know, Josh Allen can throw the football. That's just a. Fa- I mean, if you ever seen him throw, it's oh, it's a, it's, it's amazing, amazing, right? It's amazing. Um, so you get get the two of them together in sync, working out well, and the Buffalo Bills probably should be playing this week, frankly. But yes, they should. Neither here nor there. It's a great season. That team is on the upswing for sure. Um, not a whole like you have Kamara as well. I, 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 hilariously, I look at your roster with two New England Patriots on it for Week 17, which is fine. Uh, James White, Tom Brady, not really fantastic assets. Obviously, you were playing the Miami angle. You probably should have just stuck with Fitzpatrick that you had the week before. Um, shoulda, coulda, woulda, didn't. Shoulda, coulda, woulda, indeed. Um, and you, yeah, so you guys definitely uh, had a fantastic year. That's kind of the the highlights on your roster. I don't have a, you know, I mean, I had Mike Evans who who fell to the IR bug uh, a bit before playoffs, which which never really helps things out. Um, Mike Williams, San Diego, um, fantastic deep threat player. Never really panned out to be the the breakout wide receiver that I had hoped he would be. Cortland Sutton from Denver certainly did, although, you know, I, I'd like to see Drew Locke get a few more snaps next year and you yes, know, develop will. some rapport. Um, I think Cortland Sutton has a potential to be, you know, I think it's his third year next year. And if anybody's familiar with fantasy, third-year wide receivers are always, Break always breakout opportunities. So Cortland Sutton will be on my draft list for sure, potentially next year. Um you know, I also have Noah Fant in Denver as well, too. Obviously, I, uh, I had a bit of a – week 17, Denver and Detroit were playing each other. So, you know, I mean, as much as I I, I love my Detroit Lions, I also love my fantasy football, and I know where matchups are. And um, Yeah, it was, it was overall a good week – overall good year, I think. Um, f- fifth out of 12, not exactly where I want to be. I think I missed the playoffs by, like – you know, a really awful loss somewhere. I think you guys, it was, it was the loss to you guys. The one week we played each other. Um, I've been in a couple other leagues, um, some with not quite the success. And, uh, I did win a fairly uh, significant league. Uh, actually, uh, Chris here and I did, uh, almost a little bit of a tag team approach this year to that team and, uh, kind of put our heads together and, uh, took home quite a healthy sum of money at the end of the season. Excellent. So congratulations. Um, yeah, lots of really good work there. And that was another league we had McCaffrey in through some shrewd wheeling and dealing as yeah. well. Actually, yeah, Sean, I will refer to, uh, I have a question for you coming up in a sec about, um, some of the guys on that team, because we had what could be considered the top three picks in next year's fantasy drafts who are Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, and Michael Thomas. We had all three of them, which is unbelievable. We are keeping them all because it's a keeper league, so that'll be cool. But um, while uh, you think about those three, because my next question will be about those, I have a question for Mike right up Mike's Mm -hmm. alley. And uh, even though Mike is just kind of getting started on his fantasy journey, and I Hope he, uh, I hope he uh, joins the league next year. I hope Sean does too. Uh, I did win my keeper league that I started this year, by the way, which was awesome. So that means just the trophy that I make going forward <laughs> is going to be extra big because I know that I'm going to be on it. So it's going to be fun. But uh, the question that I think Mike would be even better suited to answer than a, a, a normal fantasy expert because of his ties to Green Bay and this is a very fantasy-relevant question going to next year. It's about the sharing of the workload between Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. And this year, I remember I took Aaron Jones in the third round of our work league that Sean and I are in, and I did win that league as well. And I remember driving home after the draft thinking, oh, I don't know why I drafted Aaron Jones, and I'm not sure if I'm feeling good about it, I remember. And then he ended up having an unbelievable year, even with... Jamal Williams siphoning off a lot of his work, getting a number of touchdowns and all that. So my question for Mike, and it's two parts, uh, because I want to know his opinion as well as what his prediction is. Next year, number one, would you, if you were in charge, give Aaron Jones a bigger share of the running back workload? And number two, do you predict that Matt LaFleur will give Aaron Jones a bigger part of the workload, or is he just going to keep it kind of like it is? I think that um, <clears throat> moving forward, I think what we've we've uh, we need to distinguish or, uh, right now is that the future running back, number one running back of the Green Bay Packers, does need to be Aaron Jones from UTEP, 
And if that's to answer your first question, then it's an uh, unequivocal yes. To answer your second question, if Matt LaFleur is smart enough to implement that, I hope that he is, because I think at this point of the game, we knew, we, we need to almost label guys and, and label guys as Aaron Jones is RB1 and Jamal Williams is there as the relief pitcher. Aaron, uh, Aaron Jones needs to be our number one guy for the next foreseeable future. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He can run the ball out of the backfield. He's stronger than people think he is. I, he runs between the tackles sometimes, and I wonder, what the hell is he doing? Then all of a sudden, it's a nine-yard gain. And second and one is a lot easier than second and seven. So I think that Aaron Jones needs to be our unequivocal number one. And I, don't, I, don't, I think for us to be successful, we need to keep Jamal Williams's activity to about 10 touches a game. Because there are so many things that Aaron Jones does for our offense that Jamal Williams cannot do. Jamal Williams is a better blocker. So if you have an obvious pass situation, you put him in there and you let him be, you know, the bodyguard for Aaron Rodgers moving forward. But for the Packers offense, with the addition this offseason via free agency or the draft, with some addition of a tight end and a couple wide receivers, Number one option moving forward has got to be Aaron Rodgers, excuse me, Aaron Jones in Green Bay. It's interesting you say Aaron Rodgers. My suspicion here is that Green Bay will draft a wide receiver in round oh, one this I, season. Yeah. As much, I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah. I always say this to Chris, tell me to fuck off, but I, I got to say this. As much as the draft capital capital has been used the last three drafts on defense for the Green Bay Packers, they need to do the same offensively this year. Well, I I don't disagree. Their their offensive line is actually fantastic, which is why you allow guys like Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams to be fantasy relevant both at once. Do I think Aaron Jones will be RB1 next season? Absolutely. Do I think they see him as a true RB1? I'm not totally sure. The league is definitely going into a two RB share backfield type situation yeah. with minor exceptions. I don't disagree. He should be. I just, which is why if I were to look at next year from a fantasy perspective, I don't see regression for Aaron Jones because I think he'll get more touches. Um, and he shared the workload this year. I'm really nervous that Aaron Rodgers is, um, he's a great quarterback leader. I think he's got a little bit of the Tom, like Tom Brady and how that, how he started to manage the roster. Um, I don't know that he's a fantasy asset the way he used to be. I agree. I don't disagree that he's, I mean, Brady can win Super Bowls and score 13 fantasy points a week, right? So it's doable, but I feel like that's where Aaron Rodgers is headed is exactly down that path unless they get him a wide receiver. If you get him another one to suit up against Devontae Adams because the rest of that wide receiver core, I remember talking about Geronimo Allison on this podcast a few months back thinking he was going to be, you know, that guy. No. You need to draft somebody else. There's no question. 100%. The Green Bay Packers need to spend some draft capital, and you cannot have your $134 million quarterback throwing to an unrestricted free, uh, un, undrafted free agent, which is what Geronimo Allison was. And all due respect to him making a 53-man roster, but he had opportunities this year, dropped too many balls. Obviously, the Packers need to spend. And even more... Right there, number one is wide receiver, but at 1A has got to be a tight end in that Green Bay offense, and it can't be Jimmy Graham. Yeah, Jimmy Graham and Geronimo Ellison and MVS all need to be off the roster next year for the Packers. And uh, yeah, I, I'd, I'd love to see Gutekunst pull some sort of anti-Ted Thompson move, like trade up in the first round, give up some serious picks and draft Jerry Judy out of love Alabama. It. That love would be it. great to compliment Devontae Adams. Love it. Anyway, uh, my question for Sean here now going forward. So let's say you are at the number two overall pick next year. Let's say Christian McCaffrey goes number one. Uh, I guess some people might take Dalvin Cook here, but I'm going to assume that the decision will be between Saquon Barkley and Michael Thomas. Who are you taking in that situation? If you have a different number two, go for it. But I'm going to assume that number two, if McCaffrey is off the board next year, will be Michael Thomas or uh, Saquon Barkley. I know you're a big Saquon fan, but uh, who would you take in that situation? And feel free to give different answers for standard, half PPR and full PPR. Go ahead, sir. So uh, Saquon and Michael Thomas are fantastic options at two. Um, you know, the old the old fantasy rule is if you're never sure of what to do, take a running back just to be safe, especially one that's getting three down, three down action. Saquon Barkley fits this mold. 
I love Saquon Barkley, one of my favorite NFL players, not wearing a Lions jersey. I was lucky enough to actually go to Detroit this season and see him live. Uh, I actually attended the Detroit-New York Giants game, which just, uh, on a side note, happens to be the last game Detroit won this season. Um, (laughs) Neither here nor there. Um, I love Saquon Barkley. I really do. Um, Dalvin Cook, uh, I'm born to hate Dalvin Cook because he's a Vikings player, but I will give you credit for, you know, Dalvin Cook being a fantastic asset. The guy, though, I'm just saying, I knew this was coming at some point. I really think Derrick Henry might be the number two overall. I really wow. do. Wow, really? I'm That's not a kidding. Surprise. Here, so, so looking at, so I'm in half point PPR. I just happen to just do some quick stat review. Derrick Henry from week one to 16 is the number two overall fantasy asset that is not a quarterback. Whoa. So it is hard to argue he has more point. He had more points than Michael Thomas. He had more points than Aaron Jones. He had more points than Zeke. He had more points than Dalvin Cook. I know Dalvin Cook was hurt, so I I, I, I still don't think he puts up, you know, the, the difference is 50 points here. Um, Derrick Henry looks like a different type of running back, and I just don't know that the Titans are going to draft anybody other than Ryan Tannehill for next year. I really think they're going to keep running down the Ryan Tannehill path. And so with Ryan Tannehill not being a franchise quarterback, you have Derrick Henry to run that ball. I mean, look at week 17 goes, what, 30, even looking first round of the playoffs, look against the Patriots, 30 plus 180 yards. That's in the playoffs. This is what Derrick Henry does. He does it near the end of the season. And so when you draft, you may not get the first three or four weeks of Derrick Henry that you're hoping for. But if you're willing to sit back and wait until the late weeks of the season, Derrick Henry is an absolute beast of a human being and will run you over by the time week 14, 15, and 16 rolls around. And anybody who plays fantasy football should be playing for playoffs. Derrick Henry is an absolute solid two overall pick, even potentially more than Saquon Barkley. Wow. Uh, you know, I, I've loved Henry for a long time, and now my wife's getting a Derrick Henry jersey to cheer for the Titans, and that's cool. Uh, I'd never even thought of him as going second overall, even though he did win the rushing title this year. And like I mentioned earlier, uh, he did give all his O-linemen Rolexes, as they do. Uh, but wow, I didn't, I didn't even consider him at second overall. I, I'd love to get him next year, but I think his ADP is going to be too high for for me but i thought he was going to do what he did this year a season or two ago and then it just happened here okay my next uh, fantasy relevant question for mike is uh, again i'm going to keep it in his wheelhouse but these are very relevant questions for people out there this year in my keeper league i drafted aaron Rodgers because i wanted him to be a keeper for me going forward uh he well the packers went 13-3 won the division got a bye uh, Aaron Rodgers did not statistically have his best season by any means or any stretch of the imagination whatsoever. Uh, I was very fortunate in that around, I don't know, week two or three, I happened to pluck my backup quarterback off the waiver wire, and his name was Lamar Jackson. And uh, he ended up being very good, and I ended up, or I will end up keep uh, keeping him uh, for this coming year, and I will drop Aaron Rodgers back into the draft pool. There's no choice to make there. Right. Um, but... Uh, going forward, Mike, honest opinion, and I know you're not I know you're not super into fantasy, but as long as you understand the stats of the quarterback position, you'll be fine for this. Just what can people looking at drafting Aaron Rodgers next year expect? Can they expect exactly what he was like this year? Is he gonna be older? He's gonna be worse? Is he gonna all of a sudden figure out what it's like to work with Matt LaFleur, be used to it, and be back to the old Aaron Rodgers in his prime? Because he's not that old. He's getting there, but he's not too bad. Should people confidently back Aaron Rodgers next year, both in real life and in fantasy, and expect him to make a rebound? Or where do you think he's going to go relative to this year? The same, better, or worse? Well, I'd like to have that question posed to me after free agency and after the draft, because I think we've documented already that he needs more weapons. Uh, Throwing to Larry Moe and Curley, which is Geronimo Allison, uh, uh, Jimmy Graham and MVS is Larry Moe Curley. We need to upgrade. There's no question there. Um, if he gets some, if he gets some uh, weapons to throw to augment what he already has with Aaron Jones and with Devontae Adams, he'll be improved. But you are never going to see Aaron Rodgers 2011 again. I think you're going to see, and this is difficult for me to say, but I think it's the truth, and that's why. I will say this. I think we're going to see more of a game manager 
in regard to Aaron mm. Rodgers moving forward. Rodgers, remember, folks, unlike his predecessor, Brett Favre, and I'm not comparing the two. I've compared the two before, and I've given the analogy that one is a, is a, is a gambler and one a, is a tactician. But in this, in this case, in my opinion, Aaron Rodgers is a beat-up 37-year-old. He's had a broken collarbone on both sides. He played last year uh, in the the 218 season with a screwed up knee from the very from the second quarter of the opening game against the Bears last year. Aaron Rodgers and I think part of this and I don't want to hear the the crap about a new system and I don't want to hear a crap about this and that the the verbiage is different. Of course the verbiage is different between coach McCarthy and coach LaFleur. Aaron Rodgers as I said in one of our previous episodes this week Aaron Rodgers has been taking snaps to center since he was probably in the seventh grade. So I don't think there's anything out there that you show Aaron Rodgers that he hasn't seen before. Aaron Rodgers is working now against father time, as we all are. And when we get to this point next year, Aaron Rodgers will be 37 years old. If he can replicate what he did this year with in, in regard to the three interceptions or whatever it was, the minimal interceptions, a few uh, touchdowns, obviously, He'll never hit 40 touchdowns again. Um, I'm of the belief that our number one option on offense for the Green Bay Packers moving forward is one Aaron Jones. And anything that we can get uh, from Aaron Rodgers is going to be cake. He's going to be icing on the cake. But even I, and I'm I'm, I'm a newbie at this fantasy football stuff, I would not draft Aaron Rodgers in 2020. Wow. Uh, That's, that's really, really, uh, that's smart. Yeah, uh, I like that, though. But uh, we'll see. I mean, who knows? If they get Jerry Judy and sign some big, fancy like, wide receiver, who knows? Maybe they have a... He does not have year. the physical capabilities to take over a game anymore. I'm just going to be honest. They're not getting Judy. But I under I know what you're getting at. I wonder... You know, I, I, I've, I followed Tua a little bit through yeah. college. Yeah. Tua has the Aaron Rodgers fall in the draft potentially waiting to happen. I like that. I like that. And I so, don't think Tua falls to 24, though. You might be surprised. If really? That, if that hip injury comes out. It's, so Tua suffered the same injury as that Bo, Bo Jackson. Jackson. Yep. And I don't think a lot of people have forgotten that Bo Jackson basically never played another down of football. You're absolutely right. But before you before you continue on, remember this. Medical advancements have come a long way since once it happened to Bo Jackson versus when it happened to Tua. Fair, fair statement. I just, I know the NFL, they don't, they... It's a lot of these GMs are very, still very old. Oh, school. for sure. And oh, absolutely. So, so, I mean, I'm not saying they're going to get Tua, but I mean, if if Tua happens to get somewhere to the point where he has that fall, and he may, he won't be in the combine. He won't. He won't right. do any drills. You know, he falls, and well, maybe he sits for a season or two, heals that hip up, and all of a sudden, now I've got to sit there and deal with Tua in green and yellow for. I was on a friend. I I was on a friend of mine's talk show two weeks ago in Chicago on MVP Sports Radio 1000, and I gave the opinion that if Tua, let's say the Packers end up somewhere between, depending on what happens, obviously tomorrow and moving forward. Let's say let's put the Packers somewhere. Packers aren't going to the Super Bowl. They can't beat San Francisco. But if the Packers end up somewhere, let's say between 24 and 30. And I just throw this out here, and I threw this out there on this radio show, and I'll throw it out here as, as well. If, le- if the Packers get between, let's say, 24 and 30, and two is still on the board, and Aaron Rodgers happens to be the same age as when they draft, when uh, Brett Favre was, and it was the same age, 36 going into 37, I would like to see the Green Bay Packers draft their future quarterback, is what I would like to see. Well, it could happen here. Keep in mind, too, that 15 years ago, people thought Drew Brees' career was over with a shoulder injury. Correct. So you, you, know you never know. I got to tell you something else. One of the reasons that, and people forget about this, one of the reasons that, and we make fun of Nick Saban all the time and how what a failed two- or three-year run he had in Miami. But if people remember this, and the owner at the time was the guy that owned the old blockbuster video, Wayne Huizenga, and Huizenga would not sign off on signing Drew Brees as a free agent, Whoa. which Saban wanted to do. <laughs> if you put if you put Drew Brees in Miami all those years with Nick Saban, I truly believe 
Nick Saban still in the NFL, and he hasn't won five national championships at Alabama. Wow, that that yeah, there's so many uh, alternate universe theories that, that that's actually a really really fascinating one. But uh, okay, I, I I've asked Mike some Packer questions. I had a Lions question for Sean uh, because I won. So every league where I put any of my own money in whatsoever, I won first yeah. place. Uh, so I had a great year for fantasy, just my best ever. But the one mistake I really made that really stood out to me was I was drafting on Johnson in the second round. And that didn't work out. They didn't use him well enough for that. Uh, maybe maybe I shouldn't trust the smaller backs that high in the draft. What the hell happened? I heard all this, like, oh, Detroit's just going to run the ball all the time. They're all about the running game. And then I don't know what the hell happened. So next year, well, I certainly wouldn't take him in the second round. But is the Detroit Lions rushing game something anyone can trust with any running back who's not named Barry Sanders? Uh, and is on Johnson draftable at any decent uh, you know, ADP this year? What round should he go in? Just where are we at with on Johnson and the Detroit Lions rushing game? Because I think people really need to know this for fantasy. So the thing with on Johnson, there's two, there's two trains of thought. Train of thought one is that the man is injury prone and you may want to seriously consider not um, drafting him at all. Like, I don't care what his, what his draft value is. You just don't do that. Um, option two is that maybe just maybe Detroit is actually, you know, suffering from a significant number of injuries this season. There's a whole lot of options around that. Uh, you know, he, you know, maybe he's healthy next year. Maybe he's like Dalvin cook was Dalvin cook was healthy almost right away the end of the season. In the first two years in the league, Dalvin cook looked like he couldn't keep himself on the field at all. I personally have always been a fan from a fantasy perspective, you know, unless you foresee some sort of miracle, if they have injured, if you've got those kind of injuries two years in, just stay away. And whether he's successful or not, let somebody else win the league with carry on Johnson. Don't spend your draft capital on someone who's had that. I didn't want Dalvin cook this year, even though he did fantastic. I thought I could win with other pieces. It just, you, when you have that kind of injury history, you're always worried and you're, then you're going to have to spend a draft pick on a handcuff. And then in Detroit, who the heck is the handcuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, there isn't one right now. So, right. okay, great point. No, that's fair. And great I, you know, I remember we had talked, and I had just said like I didn't like I love Delvin Cook as a talent, but I didn't trust him due to being injury prone. Now, for a lot of people, I think he almost single handedly got them to the finals. But then once we were, or even at least the playoffs. But once in the playoffs, his his games weren't as good because he did wear down and his injuries did take over. So in the end, maybe he wasn't a league winner, even though he might have got you into the playoffs. Okay, so last question for each of you here. Uh, I simply wanted to ask Mike, are you uh, willing to come into the league next year? Are you going to give fantasy a go? Are you going to not worry too much that people are going to laugh and point and be like, ha ha, Mike's stupid. Like, no one's going to do that. We are, you know, our buddy Ryan Hall, friend of the show, you know, he joined my league. He was he finished first in the regular season in fantasy. He did, he knew nothing about the NFL other than what he's heard on unscripted. He knew nothing about fantasy. He was he, he only what did he have one or two losses on the right. season. He then got to the final against me. I did beat him uh, and win the league. But he does he did get second place. Did get did get into the money there. Uh, and uh, you know he uh, he he took a chance and was thought he was donating the money. And he uh, you know he ended up doubling his money. So are you willing to? Take the step next year, join <laughs> my league, which is very cheap to enter, maybe some free leagues even, fun leagues online, get into the fantasy football game, leave the 90s behind, there's yep. no Ron, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there's no Ron Barr or people telling you here you can't do football pools, none of this horse shit, right? Are you going to be a fantasy footballer next year, Mike Jansen? Well, first and foremost, I want to say to Ryan Hall, first of all, uh, Ryan's a lot smarter than I am. Ryan uh, married very, very well. Smart young man. Um, I have not ruled it out yet. That's as far as I'm going to go right now. Um, I, it's, it's just, you know, I've learned a lot of things from all of you guys, and I think that I could probably do a pretty good at this. What one of my concerns is is that I will be too. Uh, I I would put my back myself into a corner. I think sometimes, and just out of sheer default, I'd take a Packer instead of probably somebody that's better. And and that's just my fault. And and you know, fifty five years of Green Bay crap drilled into my head. So um, all I'm going to say is that I haven't ruled it out. Um, I, I'm intrigued by it. There's no question. 
Um, I'd like to find a job first and, <laughs> and then, but all seriousness, I think that I probably will, but I've still got some time to think about it. I just don't, I just don't really have any reason not to anymore. And, um, more than likely if today was September or late August or whatever, I would probably, yes, I would probably play in your league just because I, I know the players and, uh, I trust the players and uh, I wouldn't start out in a number of leagues. I would probably just start out on one and see how it goes and, and uh, take baby steps. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I intentionally made the league only 20 bucks to buy into just so that people who didn't know it as well could get into it. And it was, it was rewarding for me because uh, guys like Ryan or guys like my friend Justin, who are both in the league, uh, not only enjoyed watching the games for fantasy football, the one day I went and played poker with Justin at the casino and it was a Thursday nighter and it was Arizona San Fran the game's on he was really into watching the game while we're playing and it was a lot of fun and then even once fantasy was over in the NFL playoffs last week I'm getting texts from these guys they're watching the games they're saying oh these are good and they were good games last week so they were into it and they and it was rewarding to see people get into a new hobby like that and I really did enjoy that but last question for Sean here today just very generally first of all should Mike Jansen play fantasy (laughs) football next year and uh, are you going to join the league? I want to make it as many people as possible. I'd like to make this like a just like a 16-team league or something fun. 20 bucks to get in. It's cheap. But should Mike join Fantasy Football next year? Are you going to play in our league? And then just any general thoughts you have about this year in Fantasy and next year in Fantasy. Loaded questions. First of all, <laughs> I did say one of us to Mike. Uh, 100% he should join a league. I mean... The worst that could happen is that you spend 20 bucks. I know that you could get three really, really weird tasting lattes at Starbucks for 20 bucks, or you can enjoy 16 weeks of NFL football. Just a thought. You never know. Maybe. And I don't even drink coffee. Maybe Miami Cleveland is a game to watch next year. Like anything's possible. I don't know. Like, I mean, maybe you'll stop watching only Packer games, but uh, would I join? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I enjoy the fantasy game. I I love it. It's been it's been quite frankly a pastime, a passion of mine, and uh, I you know I appreciate uh, you guys bringing me in here in here and in a in an expert capacity, which uh, you know is is only uh, uh, much much appreciated, but uh, never often self appointed more than anything else. But uh, in terms of the the season as a whole, I think what I took away from this season is. I saw this season and I compared it to the season before. And there are things that often correlate just generally in life. I'll tell you, give me the example. So last year we had a second year quarterback named Patrick Mahomes who didn't play a ton of games, right? Didn't play, actually didn't play at all, did he? Right. I don't think he played even a snap. In the first, week did, 17 he played in the first year. Right. Oh, that's right. Not a lot of games. And then in 2018 became this absolute fantasy stud, right? This year... Madden curse. I I do believe it's real. I played that game too long to not think it's real. Patrick Mahomes had a bit of a. I, I'm not saying he had a bad season. I just don't think he didn't have a fantasy like a winning season. And then last year, Lamar Jackson had some of those Mahomes type qualities mm-hmm. from the year before. And look what Lamar Jackson did. You said you didn't see Lamar Jackson coming. I 100% saw Lamar Jackson I didn't. coming. Mm-hmm. I wish I could have traded for him in a in a, in my keeper league, and I would have probably been far easier to win that league. I probably could have walked to the end. Um, so I, I look for next season. I'm looking at trends like that. I'm looking at, you know, there's always the next guy. And, and, and every year there's somebody different. I'm going to give everybody a spoiler right now. Kyler Murray will be the number one fantasy quarterback next season. Whoa. I am telling Whoa. you that right now. Okay. I think the only take, thing holding him back is his head coach. Take a look at look at the profile. Just yeah. you, look at it. It it's it's got Lamar. It's got Mahomes written all over wow. it. It really does. I I I I, yeah. I am I I am openly going to try and trade well, for Kyler Murray and draft him everywhere I can wow. next next season because I think it's a I think it's a league winner. I must be thinking about joining a fantasy league because I bring this name to the table. Uh, and and I watch a lot more college football than you guys do. But there's a young man playing at Clemson University right now by the name of Trevor Lawrence, and I learned so much about him in that first semifinal game against Ohio State that he not only can throw the football beautifully, but he can also run the football. He had some big gains there. Trevor Lawrence is a guy that not only teams could potentially obviously build around, but fantasy people and fantasy players are going to get wealthy on. I really truly believe that. And it won't be the first year because I believe Trevor Lawrence is playing in his final college game tomorrow. 
I truly believe in my heart of hearts, especially if Clemson wins. He'll have won two championships in two years. You can't do better than that. There's no reason for him not to go to the next level and get overpaid by somebody. Is he eligible? Oh, is he eligible? eligible. I believe there's eligibility rules on age and coming out because I think he was a true freshman last year. Is he even able to come well, out? Well, he's a sophomore. No, he's over 21. Interesting. I hadn't yeah. even thought about Trevor Lawrence. But yeah, I thought Trevor, I had Trevor if Lawrence pegged for number one overall. If he's over 21, he's eligible to do whatever the hell he wants. Yeah. And I don't think there's any reason, if he wins tomorrow night, I don't think there's any reason for him to continue at Clemson, Carolina, South Carolina anymore. I don't disagree with you. He'll have done everything that he can do. Um, He'll have won two championships and two tries. And I think that this guy could be, if he claims himself eligible for the April draft, I think there's going to be a lineup of teams trying to get a hold of Trevor Lawrence. I absolutely agree with you. I haven't even had his name up there. I think that anybody that watches football, like all three of us do, and they see this young man play, and what he did against an Ohio State uh, secondary that supposedly, according to their former coach, Urban Meyer, has two number one draft picks in it and two number one draft picks that could go as early as the top five, according to Urban Meyer, and what he did to that secondary, and now that people saw him actually run the football, not only sit back there and throw it beautifully, but also run it, I think that Trevor Lawrence is going to be making a lot of people a lot of money in fantasy in years to come, whether it's next year or the year after. But I truly believe in my heart of hearts that if Trevor Lawrence beats LSU on Monday night, there's no reason for him to stay at Clemson, South Carolina anymore. And I think he makes himself eligible for the draft. Mm, Yeah, Sports Illustrated seems to be hinting that he's not eligible to 2021. I don't know why that is. I don't know why that is either. I'd never heard of that. All I know is that he's old enough. I mean... He's played one year of college football. He's just completing his second year of college football. He's won a national championship. He's looking for a second. And I think if he wins, I don't see why. I mean, I don't know everything for crying out loud, but I think if he makes himself eligible, he'd be a guy I would jump all over because I think the the uh, opportunities would be limitless with a young man like that. We've got a run on this 446th episode of Unscripted. I want to obviously say thank you to Mr. Sean Nichols for being here and, and uh, help us go through uh, what was a very interesting uh, fantasy football season. Um, and I am. I will be totally honest with all everybody that's listening here on Unscripted. I am truly thinking about playing fantasy football next year. And if these guys are patient enough, I probably will. 20 bucks ain't going to kill me. So um, I probably will. I just don't want to draft a team full of Packers. Then don't draft a team full well, of I Packers. I'll, I'll probably have you on my side when I'm drafting my team. Um, we've got to run. I've got to get to something out in Airdrie, which is a little bedroom community north of Calgary. So I apologize for that. But I thank everybody for participating. Again, thanks to Sean for being here and taking time out of his Saturday afternoon. We thank all of you for listening and participating, and I truly hope that you continue to do so. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.